Hello and welcome back to the Steve Cockroom podcast. On Tuesday, it was an agonising watch as we saw Scotland punished at the hands of Croatia, which ultimately saw us bow out of Euro 2020. The tournament was a roller coaster of emotions and a new experience for thousands of people. Here with me, as always, to discuss it all is Konyuk. How are you? Yeah, Pete, not bad yourself. Yeah, doing all right. I mean, you know, as we were just saying there off air, the dust has settled now. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, well, starting with the Croatia game, obviously, it was a kind of emotional night. Uh, it was a must win for both teams. So the game was always going to have goals in it. It was always going to be an open affair. And uh, I just always, I just think, just bottom line, we just came up against a better team. They're just a better team than us. They've got more tournament experience than us. I think we just fell short. I think you can kind of look back at the uh, tournament, maybe the Czech game as a, as a as a kind of place where we should have done better to put us in better stead. So the Croatia game wasn't a must win. But the way we done it, the Croatia game must win. And they have, obviously, Luka Modric. She just put on a put on a clinic, really. And obviously his goal was just world-class. Um yeah, I think it's disappointing, but I think when the dust settled, that they're just they've got better, they're more streetwise than us, more tournament experience, just better, and it kind of showed in the night. Obviously, we had our goals for half time, which was obviously a great moment. We all loved that, and it kind of gave uh, gave the nation some hope. But in the second half, I just think we got we got outclassed, and I think as well, we'll touch on it as well later with the uh, the changes that were made uh, from the England game. Obviously, the huge mess of Billy Gilmore. Uh, but all, even still missing Grant Hanley from the 30th minute onwards was, I think, was huge for us as well. But obviously, we'll touch on that later. How, do you think you, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, just reiterating what you said, I think it was, you know, everyone in Scotland, you know, going into this game, the eyes, the whole of Scotland's eyes were fixed on this game. And I think there was quite a lot of expectation and quite a lot of hope. As they say, it's the hope that kills you. And that well and truly happened on Tuesday night, I think. You know, me and you, I think especially, we were going into this game feeling feeling decent that we could maybe get a win. And I think, and you know, obviously that's a good thing because you have hope and faith in your team. But, you know, I know maybe there was a bit too much pressure piled on. But again, like you said, I think Croatia, they really just, they were just better than us on the night. And I think, you know, on paper, we should be closer than that with them. Maybe you could argue, you know, you, they are World Cup finalists and... um you know, they were very good. So I think we've got to give them a lot of credit. Um, but yeah, I think I'm a bit disappointed in um, in our players and in Scotland that we didn't manage to, to, to hassle them more. Yeah, I agree. I think on the night as well, it was like, we, we just didn't have that same performance. I think both, both our games at Hamden, we didn't really show up properly. It was a bit weird. Like the Wembley game obviously speaks for itself and, and what a performance that was. That was when actually... I'm pretty sure we touched on this in our review podcast. It was one of the best Scotland performances I've seen in recent years. And kind of going on to the uh, two Hamden games, you can kind of compare them in a way. They were just, I don't know, they were just not the same, bit flat. There wasn't the same kind of, um, kind of, I don't, I don't know what word I'd use to kind of sum it up as far as comparing it to the England game, but there just wasn't that same bite. And I think as well, um, uh, touching on it, I think the England game, obviously the lineup was spot on. You could argue for both other games, the lineups maybe weren't correct. Maybe going with Armstrong in the in the kind of eight role maybe wasn't the best decision from Clark. What would you have done differently, or, or do you think you got a spot on? I think if we take it at face value, just from the lineups, I think obviously we, everyone knows that 
well, even even Steve Clark said it himself that Billy Gilmore was going to start this game, and I think you know if he didn't get so unlucky and come down with COVID, I think the team probably would have been built around him and who he works best with. And yeah, like you said, I think, you know, definitely talking to you before the game anyway, I don't think either of us were that happy with um, Stuart Armstrong coming in. I actually thought Stuart Armstrong would have been played in a 10 and John McGinn might have dropped back. But Steve Clark stuck with um, stuck with the, the role he prefers McGinn in and kept him higher up the park. Um, but I think... I think the rest of the lineup, you probably can't argue with what he did. I think it was the you know the standard back five, um, as we said, Armstrong and um, Armstrong and McGregor in the middle, Dykes, Adams, and McGinn. And I mean, I don't think I would have done much differently. I think I wouldn't have played Armstrong. Uh, I know I've got a bit of a reputation for not liking Armstrong on this podcast, but I, I think you know going into that game where. Whereas you know every kick of the ball can be so crucial, and you've got to be so precise with it. I think you know we would have been better with with Ryan Christie or David Turnbull coming into the team. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I I'd agree. I'd have started Christie, I think, or, or or Turnbull. Either one of them, I'd have been happy with. Armstrong had his minutes. He had his chance at the Euros in the first game, uh, and I don't think he really impressed enough to to kind of hold his spot over a boy like Ryan Christie, who you know say what you want about his season for Celtic, but in a Scotland shirt. He, he tends to show up uh, pretty well. Obviously, you look at the Serbia game as a great example of that. And you also think as well, um, David Turnbull, obviously he played the majority of the game against the Netherlands who, and um, we took them to a 2 all win. It should actually be a 2-1 win. If it wants for a, kind of like a dive and a dodgy ref decision. And you look at it as well, look how well Netherlands are doing now in the tournament. They're, you know, nine points from nine in the group. So uh, David Turnbull was huge in that performance. So you do think, you know, you threw Billy Gilmore, the young boy, in against England and he was excellent. Why not? Why not throw Turnbull in against Croatia in a huge game? And and I'm sure he he's got the the kind of minerals to show up as well. So yeah, I, I wouldn't have gone with Armstrong. Um, I think as well one thing we we need to touch on is when Grant Hanley comes off in the 30th minute and he he, he brings Scott McKenna on. That is just for me like one of Clark's worst decisions of the tournament. I think Scott McKenna is nowhere near good enough. He's probably one of the worst players at the Euros. Uh, let alone in our squad, I think as well. You've got Liam Cooper sat on the bench, obviously Leeds United captain. Oh, I know he's left-sided, and uh, Hanley, who plays in the middle, uh, came off. But I still think you could you could kind of shoehorn him in, or you could easily go for Gallagher, who was brilliant against Serbia in qualifying. Gallagher's one of the main reasons we got to the Euros because he pocketed Mitrovic for for like 120 minutes uh, against Serbia, and, and even then in previous games Gallagher was was outstanding. So. I, I think that's I've got it all wrong. And I think when you're taking me, I, I think, you know, when you're looking, you're coming at the half time, or, or you say, even when we go 1 0 down, I know we go at 1 1 all, but say when you go 1 0 down, you go, right, we're 1 0 down now. Sloppy goal. I think, I know we, we love Stephen O'Donnell, this and that, but he probably should be a wee bit better with his header for the first goal. Then you look at it, right, we're 1 0 down. We've now got the same 11 against England, but instead of, are two man of the matches. I know everyone was brilliant against England, but Hanley and Gilmore were were exemplary, brilliant. They're now both out the team, and you've got Stuart Armstrong playing out of position, and you've got Scott McKenna on. I mean, that you're losing for those two. Take care of yourself. You go obviously go with it with a piece of kind of brilliant. Can go the place. Go because was it. Next to against England, I'm a better place. I was that bit. 
overall the kind of is made that's kind of right in the first half maybe this i think i would do maybe wrong was picking up but maybe the subs better i get on it never brought my kids so never you know yeah definitely i think it's definitely as you said, it's it's really really strange why um, Clark's opted to go for for Scott McCann, and I really, you know, I thought about it for a long time, and I just I, I don't know, you know, if there was really any advantage in that. You know, you could argue aerial threat, but then we weren't even really posing much of a danger. We weren't winning many free kicks, uh, weren't having many shots on goal, which would lead to corners. Um, in terms of his defending, you know. He's all he's he's all right. I think, like you said, he didn't really deserve to come on. I think Liam Cooper is definitely a better defender one on one. I would argue the same for Declan Gallagher. Declan Gallagher is sort of more of a, you know, more of a physical prowess at the back. He's a commander. He'll he'll you know he'll bully someone about, and I don't really back Scott McKenna to do that. Um, yeah. So if we're talking about the opening of the game, I thought we started okay. Um. You know, I think, like you said, we were, we were, you know, to go one nil down, we we should have been doing better. But like again, we don't want to be too nitpicky. But then, just before half time, uh, Callum McGregor, what a goal that was! Wonderful strike on the weak foot as well. He's you got to give him credit for that. And I think I'd agree with what you said. He deserves that because, you know, he's one of the most consistent performers we have in the Scotland team. And no matter who he's playing alongside in midfield, he always he always plays to his maximum. And you know that that goal. That was an absolutely incredible feeling for me and you. The first goal we've seen go in at a major tournament for Scotland and for, like I said in the intro, thousands of other people just just absolutely elated with that goal. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, my toe's still hurting from absolutely stubbing <laughs> it as soon as it went in. I was just completely lost. lost. We were buzzing and it was, um, it was brilliant, brilliant to see it going. And, I, and do you know what I love as well? It was an important goal. You look back at our Euros now and you think, I would say underwhelming, you know, I think we could have got out of the group, um, but it just came down to performances. Uh, we'll kind of touch on our second half performance in a, se- in a second. But when you look back at the Euros, you, think, you want moments, you want great moments. And I think getting the nil-nil at Wembley, that was a great moment. Obviously, we were down in Glasgow for it. It was absolutely brilliant. Made, made the whole weekend a million times better. And uh, obviously watching the game as well, getting to full-time whistle, getting a point, that was that was a brilliant moment. That was 90 minutes and obviously Carl McGregor's goal against Croatia. An important goal right before half-time to make it 1-0. You know, those are the moments that you'll take away and always remember. So I am glad we got we got a few of them at least. Um, I would have liked more goals at the Euros, but to have that Carl McGregor goal after waiting so long for a goal as well, it was just, it was just brilliant. Eh? Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely a goal I'll never forget my whole life, definitely. Uh, you know, you know, watching it on TV, say what you want, but definitely still. Yeah, still, I, I it's, it's, yeah. yeah. In this cult, in this kind of current climate as well, I just don't, sorry to interrupt, but I, it's, right. it's not like you can be in the stadium anyway. We're all watching the games on the TV, so it, it doesn't take it away from it at all that you're watching it from home. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a goal that we'll both remember forever. Like, Yeah, definitely. So we're, as we've said, we're sitting 1 1 going into half time. Um, obviously, we should have the we should have the momentum. We've just scored. Um, going into half time, I was feeling pretty good. I think, you know, I was thinking 
you know, we've just grabbed a goal. It's been a great goal, but, you know, that should be the start of our sort of upward trajectory, if you will. It just should spur us on, get us playing more, get us high, pressing higher up. Um, but that didn't really happen. We came out, um, we didn't look like we really wanted it, to be quite frankly honest. I think Croatia kind of, they, they, they came out, they played their game, they slowed it right down. They got their midfield orchestrators on the ball and Modric, Kovacic, uh, Brozovic as well. They sort of really killed the game. And I think, you know, uh, you know, first 15 minutes of that second half, we were we were chasing shadows and that, that, that came to fruition. And, um, you know, they go and grab a second and it's it's just disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, it's guided. And obviously it came from uh, uh, came from just a world-class player. And, and I think as well, when you look back at that game, it was just... The, it was just the Modric show. Like pe- people say, say what you want about him as a player, but and whether he's rated properly or, or underrated and this and that. But he showed against us that like we we know we've got Andy Robertson, one of the best left backs in the world. Even Tierney, one of the best left backs in the world. We've also got Gilmore coming through the ranks. He's got the potential to be brilliant. We've got McGinn, McTominay, great Premier League players, but we just do not have a player like Luka Modric in our team who can just carry a team like that, score goals like that. We just don't have a player like that, and, and I think he was actually the difference in the day. It, it was obviously it was, it was underwhelming after the game. Try, oh, it's classic Scotland, but when you really break it down, and as you said, the dust has settled. We don't have a player like Luka Modric, and he's special, special player, and he, he can really carry a team and get results. And because um, people weren't saying that Croatia team was that impressive, but he showed when Luka Modric shows up. I mean, they could probably beat anyone. They, they, I don't think they'll go that far in the tournament, but I mean. I think we, I actually agree with you. I think they were the better team in the day, but 11 for 11, we've got every right going, going and attacking them and trying to beat them. But when he shows up, he really decides how the game's going to go. And uh, I think he, what a performance by him and obviously what a goal. It was gutting, obviously it was completely gutting for it to go in. And another point as well is we've, we've conceded two goal of the tournament contenders in a sixth goal from the halfway line. Modric is uh, outside the box. I can't remember if it was in, in or out, but it was obviously from... From quite far out in the top corner, on the outside of his foot. So, we have been we have been relatively unlucky as well. But yeah, just two downers. But also, you know, our luck maybe wasn't quite there at the tournament as well. Definitely, I think you know, you can argue, you know, whatever you wish for the for the second goal that comes from Luka Modric. I think, you know, when you first look at it and it's kind of just flashed before your eyes. I think you know, even I was thinking in my head, you know, surely the, the defenders have got to be getting out quicker. But I think even if the defence are right up against him, he's still got the quality and the technical ability. He would have still found a yard of space to to get that shot off. And once he gets that shot off on the outside of his foot, no goalie stopping that. That was that was absolutely sensational. Probably one of the best goals I've seen. Um, yeah, and again, like you said, I, I do think we were unlucky. You could you could put it down to being unlucky, or you could put it down to our strikers not being good enough. And I. And not just our strikers, obviously the people who had the chances, like our our midfielders as well. Anyone really, but I'm not really sure what side of the fence I sit on there. I think we were unlucky to an extent, but definitely I do think some players should have been better with their finishing. And like you said, we definitely should have had more goals. I think. Yeah, we just seemed to be like obviously we had a joke about it on a uh, on the Croatia game night, and it was like we just seemed to have so many half chances throughout the whole Euros. I, I'm like. We, we did have a few good chances. I remember Dykes had one against uh, Czech in the first game. Uh, on Thursday, you could argue the, the McGinn one at the far post or the McGinn one we never really got 
you know, pure connection. Against England, Dykes had one off the line, but I don't think that was a sitter necessarily. That came from a corner. I, I just don't think, like, there's probably about 10 or 12 half chances we had, especially against Czech. We had tons of chances, but they weren't. none of them were really golden opportunities. And, like, yeah, you can get on at our strikers, but I think Shea Adams had brilliant hold-up play throughout the whole tournament. Uh, I think he didn't play in the first game properly, but he showed against England kind of what he was about. And I think Cheyenne's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't I would be dropping him. Dyke Simmerhan's a bit... We've seen what Dyke can do in a Scotland shirt. And when he came in, everyone loved him because he was the first, the first time we had like a vocal point up top in I don't know how many years, since Kenny Miller probably or, or, or um, Stephen Fletcher, someone like that. So it just shows how far it's been since we had a proper vocal point up top, like a big striker, big number nine. And we all loved him when he came in. He was scoring goals. I don't know. We need we need to know how to play him properly. I think maybe you should be watching him at his club level just to really get out. Like, how does Dykes play best with someone? Does he play best with someone with Chams with him, or does he play best with like a Christie or a Fraser or like a Nisbet next to him, like a wee striker? Because when you can utilize him, he is really useful winning headers. But I do. I am kind of now after the Euros edging towards Adams. Obviously, Adams is a better player, but. Uh, maybe just being the more complete striker, you know, his hold-up play considerably better. I think the only kind of section in which Dykes pips him is with his winning headers, like just purely winning headers. But then Shea Adams' hold-up play is different. He doesn't go and win the header. He tries to take it down his chest, get into his feet and, and find a player. And that's maybe more suited to the football we're going to look to play in the future. We're building their team around Gilmore and obviously we have our progressive fullbacks as well. So... Yeah, I don't know. People get on at our strikers for that tournament. I think Dykes probably wasn't good enough. I think Adams was fine. I just think a bit unlucky. I think obviously our goal coming from our midfield is, is typical. You know, we get a lot of goals from our midfielders. But yeah, I just think overall we're a bit unlucky. Dykes wasn't good enough in my opinion, but Adams was fine. What do you think? What's your evaluation? Yeah, like I said, it's a tough one, and I'm not really sure what I think. Um, but you know, we 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 do we love Lyndon Dykes, and I think you know there's no chance of him getting dropped from the squad uh, in, in any time in the future. You know, the guy's only 25, so he can still improve. Definitely, he's 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 probably not in his prime yet. Uh, he's only just started to hit some real form at the end of last season with QPR. So I think he's got quite a big season of ahead of him uh, in the English Championship. I think he's going to want to be making a name for himself down there if he hasn't done so already. In terms of a Scotland shirt, yeah, I think you know a lot of people are arguing that he shouldn't be uh, in the starting eleven, uh, but you know that's not really for us to call. There's going to be a lot of changes um, by the time the next international window rolls around. I am, I, I still think he's a great player, like you said, great hold up play, a really good target man. If that's you know if that's something we need to deploy against a certain opposition. Um, and in terms of Che Adams, you know, he's fantastic, really. Like you said, he's a complete forward. He can do it all. He's got the pace, the technical ability, the hold-up play, the strength. He's really, he's a really, he's going to be a really special player for Scotland, I believe, in, in the next coming years. Only 24 as well, so still youthful. Um, yeah, and definitely someone, along with, along with a few others, you know, Che Adams is one that we have to be building future squads around, I think. Um, I, I mean, yeah, in terms of Lyndon Dykes, you know, he's going to be in every Scotland squad for the, for the foreseeable future, definitely. You know, obviously, if that if that, that being, if he avoids injuries, I think, you know, no matter 
how good a form he's in. You know, he's playing at that level in the English Championship, which is a high level. So, and we know that Steve Clark likes him. So, as long as Steve Clark's got the job, I think that Lyndon Dykes is going to be in and around every squad. Yeah, I agree. I think as well, uh, looking to looking to the future, as we kind of said we would going forward. I think I actually think the next tournament, I think the squad will have changed quite a bit. I mean, people say like the future. I think the future is bright for Scotland. I think the the mood coming off this tournament is probably, I mean, obviously we can't comment because we weren't there back in the day when, you know, Scotland would lose and come out another group stage. We need to make this a positive as far as like we need to get into other tournaments. And I think if we do, I think our our next squads will be looking very different. I, I think you'll see the likes of, I know we, we love him, but I I think I don't think Stephen O'Donnell will play another international tournament for Scotland. Personally, I just don't see him maintaining that level for his, for however many years it'll be to our next one to kind of hold down that right back spot, especially with kind of Callum Patterson, who's who's not he's not had a breakout season as such as like as he's played the whole season. But Patterson needs to play, and and if he plays a season or gets two seasons under his belt, I know the World Cup's eighteen months away. But you could argue for him just kind of slotting straight in. I think there's a few players in the team that might you might see kind of fade away. Um, obviously, there are some older people in the squad, but we're relatively quite young. I just think that moving forward, our team will change a bit. Personally, as far as the manager goes, I know people want Clark out. I'm not in that boat at all. I'd like to see Clark stay in the managerial role. I think you give him the qualifiers for the World Cup. If he doesn't get into the World Cup, I think you maybe review his position then. But at the same time, I know we won't be getting into consistent tournaments, but we're a pretty tough group. We're actually in a decent spot. We've got a few must wins in September. I think right now I'm I'm all in for Clark. We just need to see during qualifiers how his team's playing. I think um, uh, so. Personally, I, I want Clark to stay. I think our next tournament, our team will look probably a lot different. We we might ditch the five at the back. Uh, going forward, become a more complete team uh, with a four at the back and more attackers in the pitch. You know, we struggle for goals. And maybe that's the reason why we're playing five, technically we're playing five defenders, you know. I think we'll have some big decisions down the line. I think the future is bright, definitely. I think there'll be decisions on players, not decisions on manager yet, but in a, in a few months when we come to the qualifiers, maybe. But right now, I think, you know, the, the future is bright, but I think there'll be changes. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, just to go back a bit on what you said about Stephen O'Donnell, obviously we've talked a lot about him uh, and, and so has, has the whole of Scotland in recent weeks. You know, he went from being hated to being loved to, to just, you know, to people, you know, starting to not like him again after that performance against Croatia. Um, I don't think he was awful against Croatia. I think, you know, as, as far as it goes, he was marking one of the best wingers in the world, if you will, and Ivan Perisic. And I think... I think I'd be right in saying uh, he was actually marking Perisic for the third goal uh, from that corner for the header. Don't hold me to that. I might be wrong, but if it was O'Donnell, you know, you, you can't argue. He's got to do better um, yeah. for that third goal. Whoever whoever it was that was marking uh, Ivan Perisic, it's, it's, so, it's so easy. It's just a clipped ball to the front post and he just flicks it on and it goes beyond Marshall. I don't think there's much Marshall can do about it. Obviously, his view's restricted with like 20 men in and around his box. But yeah, I think... You definitely got to be applying more pressure onto Perisic there. You know, fair fair play to the guy; it's a good header, but yeah, definitely I think we've got to be doing better. I um, just, yeah, sorry, I just like to butt in with that goal. I assume you're about to move on just for that goal as well. Um, I, I know you can say what you want about Stephen O'Donnell losing the header. 
I think it's actually criminal how you don't have people on the post. You should have people on the back post, definitely the back post, maybe the front post as well. I don't understand how we don't have players on the post at that level. You've got, I know maybe Croatia, I, I mean, I didn't look into it too much detail. Maybe Croatia loaded the box and he had to go man for man. But not having players in the post, like if you had a player in the back post, that goal doesn't happen. And then it's 2-1 and we can get a draw and then inspire on for a win. You never know. I just think it's kind of, that's kind of a bit schoolboy for me, not having people on the, on the back post, at least the back post, you know, at that level. Because if you think about it, someone on the back post there, just put, I think Ryan Fraser's on that point. Ryan Fraser's not going man-to-man with anyone on a corner for height-wise. Get Ryan Fraser to sit at the back post or if he's up the pitch and he's up the pitch. But get a small boy on the post because he'll clear that. And, like, you see that happening. You see people on post at Sunday league level. And we, we didn't have put with anyone on the post there. So that would be my main question uh, for, for the for the corner goal from Ivan Perisic, more than, like, Stephen O'Donnell's inability to, to win that header. Uh, sorry, that's my rant over. You can carry on. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a valid point you made there. And something I didn't think about, which is, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, whether that's, like you said, tactic-wise for matching man for man, I'm not sure, because I wouldn't say that Croatia are the, you know, the most aerially threatening team. But, you know, anyway, the game's done. It's finished. So I think moving on to, to go back to what you were speaking about uh, in terms of, you know, people saying Clark out, it really does baffle me. I think, look look at where we've come from. We were sitting with Alex McLeish, who, fair enough, is a, is a good manager. He's managed at a high level. But we were sitting there taking 3-0 drubbings off people like Kazakhstan, and we were, you know, at our lowest of a low. And Clark comes in. Yeah, it takes him a couple of years to turn it around. But then look look, look where we are now. We're, we're, we're disappointed. We're sitting here discussing, disappointed that we've not managed to make it past the group stage. And that really says something to me. And I don't think the media are helping Clark whatsoever. I think, you know, I'm not sure if you saw it, but after the game, Graham Sunis says that, you know, Scotland have got to get up to date. He says they need to stop playing long ball football that's passed. Like, you know, like that's not how you play football anymore and things like that. I don't think that we're a long ball team uh, at all. So, you know, Graham Sunis, I'm not sure about that one. He's never happy, though. He's just a money old man, let's, let's be is, honest. Yeah, he is. He's um, very door. Very door. Very door, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I'm I'm 100% Clark in because I've got belief and faith that he's the man that can that can build a freshened squad, I will say, for the next for the next window, for the qualifiers. Um, and, I'm, and I do believe that he can definitely take us to the World Cup for the first time in a long time. Um, and and like you said earlier, you agree. So I think, yeah, it's it's strange to me why as soon as after a couple of bad games that people are so quick to turn, and it's quite frustrating because I think at this point, you know, there's there's a long hiatus from now until when the next international football will be played. So people are going to forget about it very quickly. So I think you know a lot of people have been a bit too rash and saying and saying some of these things about certain players and the manager. Um, so yeah, just to reiterate, and I know you probably are as well, but I'm definitely um, definitely Steve Clark in, and that will not change for a long time. Yeah, I'm I'm Steve Clark in. As far as as far as you ask me right now, I'm Steve Clark in. I think if we we don't qualify for the World Cup in a quite a, a definitive way that I would be like a bit frustrated but I agree because I think I think you've got to think as well is like who, who so who comes in from then who, who's exactly. in the market yeah. as, as who's better than Steve Clark for a manager you know you see people calling for his head in that 
who's right? Who 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 would you bring in then? And if you bring up, give me names, and fair enough, and 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 I'm happy to discuss names and stuff like that. Off the top of my head, I mean, I've not thought about it at all, but off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone. I don't want to go back into the kind of um, merry-go-round of your McLeishes and your um, and your Strakens, who are just people, you know, just old boys who are looking for a job. I want someone who's like. Like like Clark is, you can tell he's invested. Like it's it's just, say what you want about his maybe his ta- tactics or his subs or, or or whatever, but he's definitely like a, a kind of when you look at his club level managing as well, he's 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 proved he's not like he's not too old where it's like oh you know he's just doing it for a job. He's not. I think he's he's he said when he got appointed, it's the pinnacle of his career being a Scotland manager, and I I think it took him a while to get going. He got us into the tournament, albeit on penalties, but he got us there. That's all that matters. It's all we ever cared about. He gave us a great summer. I know it was disappointing in the end, the results, but listen, being back in a tournament was a great feeling for everyone involved. And and uh, no one would, would disrespect Clark for getting us there. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think you give him the qualifiers at minimum, like purely minimum, you give him the qualifiers uh, and then you review it from there. I think... We, we've got a tough group for World Cup qualification. I know we, I don't know if you want to move on to kind of speaking about the the, the September. Obviously, we'll have podcasts uh, all the way up until September, uh, previewing the September games as well, which is kind of the uh, we've got really tough games, isn't it? Aren't we playing Denmark away, Austria away, and then like Moldova or something? I think we are. It's, yeah, that's it's, really it's, tough. It's a, it's that's a make tough or break. Yeah, 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 I agree with you. It's, that's make or break, um, make or break games, but we'll. We'll obviously review them as they come, but yeah, for me, I agree with you, Clark. And I think the squad will change, but that would be natural, you know. And uh, no, no doubt you'll have a Donalds and that playing in September, you know, no doubt about that. But I just mean the next time we're at tournaments, I think you'll you'll see the squad change a bit. But I, th- I'd like to see the squad get built around a Billy Gilmore. I think he needs to have a season at a Premier League club. I know, I know, we've been speaking about him. I think Norwich are heavily linked with him. Leeds. I think Wills win from as well. I'd like to see him go. Uh, personally, a Leeds. I'd like to see him go to Leeds. Who was the other team as well? We were thinking about. Uh, what was Rangers? I am. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course, Rangers were in from as well. Uh, I think Rangers fans would love that because obviously they know he's he's a Rangers boy. I, I just said last season if he went and went to Rangers, I'd like that. But after seeing purely actually how good he is against an England team of that, you know, if he say he plays a season for Rangers. Is he really test himself versus playing a season in that Leeds midfield or under Bielsa or even like a newly promoted Norwich team who will want to, who will want to actually stay up this time? Playing a whole season, playing a whole season in these clubs, I think for personally, I know Rangers fans won't like it, but personally, I think it'd be way more beneficial to his playing career if he gets a Premier League move, um, just because of the opposition and, and the kind of standard that he'd be playing at. But then if he went to Rangers and he played the whole season there and he was electric, then that would be equally as brilliant uh, for his development. Personally, just down the line, I just want to see him starting that Chelsea team week in, week out. That, that's what I want to see because well, you see Chelsea getting to the Champions League final, Billy Gummer lifting it himself. He is at one of the best clubs in the world. So, And when, when, when he transferred there, maybe he wasn't. So the club's kind of built, or built up since then. He's found himself one of the best clubs in the world. I want to see him playing in one of the best clubs in the world. Establish yourself at that level. I, I think we can build a team. Maybe like Robertson, Tierney, Tierney, especially Robertson, or similar age. Uh, I assume then oh, we've got a decent core to build a squad around. Young, young boys like you know, like Jack Henry, players like that. That's um, um, I'd like to see. I think Jack Henry was he linked to England as well? Yes, I think, he uh, was. I 
I can't remember which club, but a Premier League club we're in for him. I'd like to see him just test in the Premier League. Is he good enough? Is he not? Come back to Scotland. If he's good enough, is he not? Stuff like that. Obviously, we can't really see him in Belgium, which is, I mean, it's not, it's kind of a, an us problem as far as it's not really him who should be worried about that. Like, but just for accessibility, we can't really see him. But I'd like to see our younger players over the next season or two have big seasons so we can kind of look to build that squad around them. And, and, and obviously, the class that half of them showed, like your Gilmore's, even your Turnbulls over the season he's had. The, the future is bright. It shouldn't be, we've just been knocked out, but it shouldn't be negative. It should be, right, that was a, you know, that was just experience. That was experience in a major tournament. Let's get to the World Cup and let's give it a real bash. And, and, and with younger players developed, a better squad, Clark's learned, he's learned from his mistakes and, and so's all the players as well. And, and I just think it'll be beneficial down the line. Definitely. And I think just speaking about Billy Gilmore there, um, you mentioned earlier um, about Modric and, you know, a lot of people have said it um, about how Scotland don't really have sort of one amazing standout, um, sort of like a, a Modric or a, or a Bale, if you will, someone who can sort of carry, carry a team and create, create loads of chances out of nothing and, you know, really carry a team to, to a high level. I think in the next few years we'll have that in Gilmore. So, Definitely agree with you. The future is very, very bright. Brightest it's been, probably, I would say. Um, so, yeah, Billy Gilmore is going to be a world-class player, so I think we've got nothing to worry about there. I think our, our sort of one standout man will come along with all these other amazing talents that we've got coming through and people who are hitting their prime. Um, so, I mean, I, I just want to ask you, in terms of, you know, we're looking forward quite a lot here now, but... In terms of the next squad, I know it's quite hard to say at the moment, obviously, because the season's just ended and stuff. But is there anyone you would say that, you know, you would like to see come into the squad, any young players or anyone you think or you're predicting that might go out of the squad, anyone who's maybe ageing a bit or not performing as well, who you think might not be involved again? I think your Stephen O'Donnell's might might be on the, not the next squad, but I think maybe on the way out. I think he's he's been a great servant. I'm not ruling him out at all, I think just maybe down the line in the next uh, international tournament um in the next international tournament you, you might see um you might see him phased out i was trying to think me the thing is i wouldn't he was really impressive he's one of our best players at euros so maybe not him trying to think across the the back line there's probably a few like your i don't want to see because i'd rather have bring out you know Give him experience. Can Adam McKenna, who doesn't really offer anything that no one else does, which kind of brings it back to how baffling it was how he got on the pitch in the first place. Um, as far as the young players coming through, I just realised I've probably definitely called Nathan Patterson Callum Patterson again, which is a, which is something I'm terrible for. But I Nathan Patterson, he I I think if he gets a real season, and that, the problem is he probably can't get that at Rangers with Tavernier. Like, can he get a full season there? I mean, it, it will definitely be tough for him if Rangers keep playing the way they are. But there was, you know, at the end of last season, um, after the title celebrations and stuff, when he was playing so well, I think there's definitely a lot of Rangers fans. And maybe I think maybe even Steven Gerrard or one of his staff said it, you know, that they might look at the option of trying to get Tavernier and Patterson both in the same team, you know, whether that be one of them playing right wing or, or right mid or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's something I'd definitely like to see because that, that would be scary if you get, managed to get both of them playing. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, I think, I mean, just just to move it on, I mean, for, just to extend it from what you were saying, I think definitely you've got 
Billy Gilmore there. He's gonna he's gonna play every Scotland game now, as far as I'm concerned. Um, in terms of players phasing out, I think people like John Fleck. I think it's not really much use having him in the squad. Like again, we are Scott McKenna. Scott McKenna's actually quite young, um, but again, he's not going to be involved. So, and again, sadly, I think Declan Gallagher he'll probably get phased out. He didn't get any minutes at the Euros, um, hardly any minutes in the friendlies either. I think players like him and like you said, O'Donnell, uh, Fleck. I think they'll all probably gradually yeah. get phased out by Clark. And I think you know. Just just to name a couple of replacements, I think some some players I really want to see get involved in the squad are Lewis Ferguson of Aberdeen. I think you know he could be looking at a big move this summer. Hopefully he gets it because I think that could really kick him on. He's only twenty one, but played something ridiculous like over two hundred and fifty games already, <laughs> yeah. which is just that that blows my mind. Um, and I think he's he's definitely got a big a big future ahead. Uh, Josh Doig Hebs as well. I don't see any harm having him in as the third left back over someone like Greg Taylor, who can't even get a game at Celtic. I know Celtic are a good team, but they had a shocking season and they were still managed to play a wee lassie and Laxalt at left back. <laughs> so yeah, I think just just those to name a couple, and I think I think the future is definitely bright, and I think it's about time. You know, after that Billy Gilmore performance against England, I think it's about time that you know, as much as I love Steve Clark, I think he. It's time that he put more faith into the youth and just gives it a chance and throwing them into the squad and maybe even throwing them into the starting eleven, see how well they do. And like you said, I think Nathan Patterson, probably for me, I want to see him start at the next window. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Even maybe like a bit of an outside shot, maybe getting like Xander Clark into the squad as well as a younger mm. goalie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just, just to not not even to come in at, at number one, but just to kind of getting involved because I think our free keepers are all very old. Yeah. Is John, John McLaughlin's old, isn't he? I'm not yes, I, I, just, yeah. I, yeah, I, mean, I was just going to talk about this actually because I forgot about this, but I think I've seen on Twitter in the past few days that David Marshall might actually be on his way to Dundee United. So that's, oh. that, that to me seems like that's a move where he's going to try and wind down his career for the next mm-hmm. year or two. So definitely, I think that's something that we lack as a young goalie coming through. So I think I, I can't even think of any, honestly, that are that are that that are like really young that are going to come through. So I think that's going to be a bit of a mission for us to try and find someone. Obviously, a classic county fan. I'd say Ross Laidlaw, but <laughs> yeah, no. I, the, the thing is, you, you just don't know, do you? Like the the thing with goalies is they don't have to be superstars. It's not like you know, there's not going to be a goalie like Gilmore coming in the scene where he comes in. You know, goalies are obviously they go on for older as well. I mean, how how old is Andrew Clark? Is it late twenties? Is he? I think he's. I'm I'm having a guess here. I'll probably say he's twenty eight or twenty seven. Yeah, I, he's twenty eight. Yeah, I've just checked now. He's twenty eight. Oh, right. So so he, the thing is, he's probably got another you know seven or eight nine years probably of playing 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 at a decent level. You, you could argue if he keeps himself fit. Obviously, keepers can go on till you know they're near forty. So it just kind of depends up to them really but I think he's one that you can really bring in for the experience obviously had a great season winning the double with um, winning the double with, with St Johnson I, I I think there maybe is a lack of a keeper but I wouldn't worry so much about that I just think keepers are a thing they can kind of come out of nowhere after one good season and you know they don't get they don't get the recognition maybe that they deserve so you could argue that a keeper isn't maybe isn't what we should be worrying about I think you could look at it and go we have got three aging keepers, but there's obviously Xander Clark there as well who can come in. And, and it's interesting about David Marsh. I didn't know about that move, that potential move to Dundee United. So, so yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, so I'm not, I'm, I'm nowhere droning on about here about players, but I've just thought of another one. You're speaking about St. Johnson, maybe another two that I would want to see come in. I think Jason Kerr can definitely come in in place of someone like Scott McKenna or maybe Declan Gallagher because he's playing week in, week out. He's only 24. He's captaining at St. Johnson's side sometimes, you know, who've been absolutely flying. He's been one of their star players. I think he could definitely merit a call up. And one of your favourites, Sean Rooney. What about him? Two, yeah, two, I don't think. Yeah. How, how old? How old Sean Rooney? Um, oh, I'm gonna. I'll Google it. I, I'll just keep talking. Those at the same time. I, I think the thing with Sean Rooney, I'm maybe not giving him the credit and the rec if he deserves this podcast because of wh- when he was at Cal. He's twenty. He's young. He's twenty four. Twenty four. Why? He's young, and and I think as well that's actually a great thing because he. Uh, I think he should be in Scotland squad to come if he keeps up his thought his form. I think why I never considered him was is because when he came to Cali, you know, he was just another one of those players. We were obviously really struggling at the time. Just, just, just we take anyone honestly. We'd have taken any player, and he came in and he wasn't really starting. And then, you know, we all loved him because he was a bit crazy and he had like annexed. He, he got booked every game, and everyone loved the fact that you could you could bet money on him getting booked, and it would just be a certain it come in. You know, uh, even if he came on for two minutes, he'd find a way. But I, I was never like. Everyone loved him. He was a fan's favourite. But I never, never looked at him and thought, he is international standard. You, do you know what I mean? But yeah. then he obviously got his big move to St. Johnson, which I think he deserved in the last season with us. He was incredible. And, 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 and he was probably international standard in that last season with us. But I never thought he'd... he'd and he, I think his, his move to St. Johnson at the start didn't really kick on. Am I right in thinking they kind of changed their, their formation and he kind of flourished? Was that, was that kind of what happened? Yeah, it was a combination of that and their boy they had playing right wing back got recalled on loan so then he came into the team because he started off yeah. season playing right centre back and just was was very quiet and then mm-hmm. as soon as as soon as they allowed him to to move into that wing back role he was flying mm-hmm. yeah I know I, I think just, just to give him his credit I think he obviously I think he's improved at St Johnson's as well but the Cali, uh, the player he was at Cali so yeah I, I actually think you see if he has a good is a great season again and maybe St. Johnson go win another cup or they get European football or something like that, then I I would be... And even uh, St. Johnson are, are actually... They'll be in Europe, won't they? Because they won the cup. Yeah, they are, yeah. actually. Aye, so if they even go on a wee run and he's influential and obviously he loves a big goal. And, and he's a threat from set pieces as well. You know, you look at Scotland, we, we weren't a threat from set pieces at all at the Euros. We could have done with Sean Rooney, you know what I mean? We could have done with Sean Rooney at the back post or side. So yeah, I, I, to give him his credit, actually, and he's 24, he's got so much improved. I, I think he's one that you could be seen coming into the squads in, in, in kind of years to come. Definitely. I think, I'm not sure if there's anything else you would like to discuss before we wrap up. We've also looked at the future and, and kind of looked at looked at maybe players' inclusions and but also the manager. And I think we've, I think we've kind of summed up pretty well. Yeah, so I mean, Euros overall, how, how, would, you, how would you put a summary on, the, on, on Scotland's Euros in a few words? My summary would be disappointing, but provided brilliant moments that I'll always remember. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I think it was a fantastic experience for for everyone who was watching, and definitely for those playing. and And I think I would I would say this is just the beginning. I'm confident that you know we're we're gonna be we're gonna see more of Scotland at major tournaments. I agree. So as always, thank you very much for listening. If you made it this far. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the Steve Clark Room. We shall be back with as many podcasts as we can um, for, for the build up to to the um, to the to the autumn window. We'll try and get a few special guests lined up for us. 
And yes, thank you very much. And we shall see you in the next one. See ya. Cheers.